Hi, and welcome to Drunk Art Review, the place where um, anyone from teetotal to blind ass drunk is able and willing to give their honest ass opinions about all forms of art. Hello. Welcome, and let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Which, of course, is the absolutely fantastic subject of... Creatures. Creatures, yeah. Be a good, interesting one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of spins you can take on this, I think, so... So many of the films and everything that we watch, there's so many different creatures and, and fantasy and things like that, and it's just, want to delve a little bit deeper. I always want to know where, like, the origins of a particular type of beast comes from, and although, of course, the real beasts are humans. <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening to a lot, by a lot, I mean a lot of uh, crime podcasts recently. I'm like, this is great as I'm drawing. Tell me more about your decrepit soul. We broached on this with our serial killers episode mm -hmm. like a while back. We love finding out things that we don't know anything about that's adjacent to our life, but similar in other ways. These people, they have breakfast, they eat, they go to the toilet, they shower. Yeah, it's, it's like parallels. Parallels of universes and stuff, and it's like, ooh, so fascinating. Which is- Sorry, I just thought like a really random thing. <laughs> like the parallels. For some reason, the only thing I could like picture in my brain was like, somebody eating a bowl of, you know, like Weetabix, and then like Hannibal in a different shot, like eating like, uh, ears for breakfast. <laughs> and it was really weird when you were saying parallels, which is like, it's mentally just like, Weetabix, and then Hannibal in his kitchen eating his ears. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Hannibal, so I'm all for that. <laughs> I was talking to my mum about the book series. Sorry, this is going slightly off topic, but I suppose right. it kind of fits creatures, scary yeah. stuff. Anyway, um, although not all creatures are scary, I don't know why I've said it like that. My mum is an avid reader and can read a book a day easily. She just like blasts through them and was telling me about the author whose name completely escapes me. But apparently the first couple of books were like really good. So there was The Silence of the Lambs, well, Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Hannibal. But the Hannibal book was like really self-indulgent. And then when I was reading the synopsis of the book itself, it was really bizarre. And I'm like, this is like some weird. You know how we would like discussing about when when is art art and when does it verge on like, just like, Narcissism. Yeah, and also like that so, way, kind of like fetish porn. But it, it was almost like that in book form. But yes, creatures. Creatures. Yes. Funny side note. This I know this is going off topic again, but because we're talking about Hannibal and because I was listening to all these crime podcasts, one of the episodes that I was listening to was all about psychopaths. This doctor was doing this study um, and they were doing brain scans of psychopaths and then ha they needed to have a control group. So he got himself and his family to do a scan. He got the results back and his family were normal, fine. And then he looked at his one and was like, this must be a mix up because I'm getting all the same signs as a psychopath, basically. He then wrote a book all about how he's technically a psychopath in the way that he thinks about things, but because of how he's been raised and within his like analytical mindset of being able to sort of, you know, not kill people, he's written a book about it. I think it's called like a, a, a sociable psychopath or something like that. It's all about how you grow and your environment when you're younger. When they're really young and they're in a very explosive environment and bad things happen to them, that can spur off into this need of aggression. But then you have like a really loving environment and like really rewarding and encouragement of success and all these other things, which just makes a really sociable psychopath. So you do have the, <laughs> the two. It's interesting because it tends to be, I think, 
someone has said to me before, you tend to be born a psychopath, but you are made as a sociopath. So yeah. like, the difference is between psychopaths and sociopaths. Normally sociopaths have to have quite a traumatic event that then causes them to become a sociopath. And again, people have this view of sociopaths a bit like psychopaths. Yeah. You know that they're all like killers, which isn't true. There's like sociopaths just in society, and it's just they just don't feel the emotions we do, and they go about their day-to-day lives, but they're not absolutely. Nuts like everybody expects them to be. It's yeah. just it's very peculiar the way I suppose. But again, media demonises certain things and makes it scary. But actually, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. media likes to give um, a blanket statement for certain things because it makes it easier for the general masses to understand something. Sherlock Holmes, fictitious character, he's a sociopath and that goes sort of hand in hand with his ability to be able to be disconnected from what's happening and analyse it properly. They're really important within our, soci- our society. So thinking of it on the outside, yeah, psychopaths aren't necessarily a bad thing. Sociopaths aren't a bad thing, necessarily. It's just any of these various things that are a part of who someone is. But I mean, back to our subject. Yeah, that was com- <laughs> such a random tangent. I love it. Is that little... gonna make the final cut? Watch this space. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, so we're gonna talk about some creatures, right? All begins with a guy called Pilony the Elder. He was in uh, sort of Grecian times, a- AD like 23, 24 to AD 75. So way 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 back and he was like 55 when he died which is reasonably old age back then his actual name was called gaius pilinus secundus <laughs> i love these names that is a mouthful i said it so flawlessly earlier from <laughs> no that's maximus decimus meridius <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> i have watched gladiator too many times come on tell us about whatever so, faces so gaius was a Roman or- <laughs> I it's that, that it's that guy, it's that bloke. He's in the yeah, Roman times, right? <laughs> no, um, he was a Roman author, naturalist, and philosopher. But I mean, who wasn't back then? <laughs> Anyone of note was always gonna be a philosopher because you know it was the, only the first time really that people were like taking note of these existential questions and like analyzing their surroundings that was the first time society was like yeah you're doing a good job continue with this you don't just need to hunt for food you know what i mean he was a dude who basically wrote the first encyclopedia he was like i'm gonna put all the knowledge in the world into one book Except it wasn't one book, it was 37 volumes. Um, which actually- Jesus Christ! Which actually, if you think about it, for all the knowledge in the world, 37 <laughs> volumes is not a lot. Called Naturalis Historia, which literally means natural history. Thing is, Pilney wasn't the most incredulous of writers, um, and he wow. crammed his encyclopedia with pretty much any account he could get his hands on. So when people were like, I saw this, or I've heard about this magical thing. He literally took it as gospel truth. <laughs> oh my word. Um, so he was a bit naive, but maybe like he just wanted to believe or he'd rather be wrong about something that didn't exist instead of not knowing at all. Um, so yeah, he crammed everything in. I suppose people give accounts of something they think they've seen yeah. that wasn't actually that because you can imagine there would have been times where people would have seen things and been like oh my god what is this when actually it's just a regular animal but there are certain animals in our animal kingdom that are so like mysterious and magical and their bodies do such weird things or are such bright colours mm. 
yeah particularly sea creatures you would see one and you'd think how is that of this earth but it is you'd be getting accounts from people like that who've never seen an animal like that before and thought it was some kind of like deity yeah people's memories is only like what 60 percent accurate anyway most of the time when people have to talk about specific details of things vision memory is one of the first things to go apparently ah i can believe that um so anyway this encyclopedia gaius man his encyclopedia was the information you'd read for like 1600 years after he'd done it nothing else really um took the the status of what he he made so all of those weird and wonderful wacky things that were in this book was just taken as like this is the truth this this is an intelligent man he knows what he's doing and meanwhile he's just like like writing all these things (laughs) oh somebody's told me about this cat that has extra ears (laughs) yeah the fun fact though is that you can still read it today it's the only text that that era is completely page for page complete which is so so rare because you remember the sacking of rome and all that knowledge burned and they're just like goodbye agora oh yeah that's a film isn't it agora but about hypatia you know with rachel wise it's a really good movie and that's all about her being targeted because she pursued science over religion and anyway (laughs) Uh, it's, a, it's a great movie, and she she was a she was a scholar like Gaius. So, anyway, in this natural history encyclopedia, he included the very first bestiary. Bestiary. <laughs> what is it? Basically, I'm getting the impression it's going to be a bit like J.K. Rowling's uh, Magical Beasts and Where to Find Them book. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but this this was like a little book wedged in, in amongst all this rest of information. He was just like, yeah, I'm just going to slide this in here. <laughs> um, and uh, another thing as well is like, you have to bear in mind, if you were sort of a scholar throughout time, and I mean this is all the way up until Darwin's time, you weren't worth your weight in salt if you didn't make one of these. These were still being made with all these ridiculous creatures. Um, all the way up until like Darwin's time, like it, you, thank God for Darwin. It's so well. He made one. It's amazing. Yeah, but he was a sensible man. Let's be honest. Yeah, he, yeah, he was quite he sensible. Uh, it, it, so it was basically a collection of all the animals that you've ever heard of, and that's the key thing here. It's it's heard of animals. It's not. It's not. not yeah. Them. So even creatures that were real have this weird Chinese whispers look to them because no one uh, would have seen some of these other things like you were saying earlier, you know. They would have seen, I don't know, a giraffe and been like, oh my god, it had the, the longest neck and it was and covered like in spots. This is, this is going to be a good intro into an episode we've got late, coming later in the year which is called Chinese Whispers. <laughs> based on artwork like that where you... Yeah. yeah. That would be great. Well, clearly the artist has never seen the subject, so look forward to that one, guys, because it's going to have some interesting shit in too. Yeah. Um, what's even better about it, though, is that you had all these magical, insane beasts from folklores and, and whispers and things just sitting next to... A dog? Yeah, a dog or a cat or, like, I say, we have a dragon here. They live in these particular areas around the globe. They they breathe fire. They they love gold. Ah, and then we have the dog. They have many breeds. But, I mean, we've got one over here. And this is a pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> the so, pigeon yeah. flies like the dragon, but it's much smaller. Um, does not breathe fire. 
So there was a great sort of embarking into the unknown with the with these bestiaries because it's acknowledging the unknown, whether it's real or not. And loads of these unknown fantastical creatures held Aesop fables um, kind of moralities to them as well. Or rather, if you meet the creature, this or that or death would happen. <laughs> More often than not though, all these weird creatures were amalgamations of other creatures, all sorts, uh, all sorted together like a kid's toy, or like things were missing as well. So you had, you know, griffins and centaurs and all these various creatures, but you'd also have headless men. Like, seriously, their head would be on their torso. They wouldn't have a head. It, it's so weird, I can't remember what they're called, but they're so weird. And then you had this one-footed giant from Norway, and the great thing is that they'd be... Uh, everywhere. Yeah, they say that he was marvellously agile, and their foot was so big that when it was too sunny, they'd be able to lie on their back and use their foot as a sunshade. <laughs> wow, that's just ingenious. Yeah. And it's kind of weird as well, because it's like, it's saying a lot that they'd put people into a bestiary. A headless yeah. person if something's different or has a one leg or something like that or suddenly you're a beast or you're a magical creature you're different See, to me i suppose that can be scary from the viewpoint that yeah people born with abnormalities are like oh my god it's a demon it's like no it's, it's, it's exactly just being. it's just they look different exactly it's kind of like this distortion of knowledge people try and find knowledge and meaning in all these different things and if someone says oh well this is a certain type of creature and if someone's born like this they just marry the two things up so it can be very worrying humans are very worrying but they would also have the super well-known unicorn yay, yay! <laughs> <laughs> now, the unicorn is super good and sweet and pure, but that only happened after thousands of years of whispering their existence throughout history. When something is white and just within the realm of belief, like basically a horse, people fall for it more and layer more and more meanings on it. And Pilney, whatever his name is, the Gaius, the Gaius dude that I'm talking about, he wrote, because the unicorn was all the way back then as well, he wrote, the unicorn is the fiercest animal, and it is said that it is impossible to capture one alive. It has the body of a horse, the head of a stag, and the feet of an elephant, the tail of a boar, and a single black horn three feet long in the middle of its forehead. Its cry is a deep bellow. I love it. So what was his tail like? <laughs> the tail of a boar. You see what I mean? They marry different parts of other creatures together to describe also, something. And I is think he trying to say this got fat ankles by saying it's got elephant feet? Is that what he's getting at? Is he trying to ankle shame the unicorn? I, I think so. But now there's a big debate whether it was basically a rhino. <laughs> and someone just didn't relay it right, but it's also amazing. That would because, make sense. Yeah, yeah, because so many magical creatures within these bestiaries originate from Africa. Um, it's so weird. That's what I was saying earlier, like if you've seen an animal for the first time and it's like, like you were saying, like a giraffe, like yeah. you've never seen anything like that before, you're like, oh my God, what is this magical thing? Yeah. And it's just an animal. Well, that's the thing as well, because they're saying, which also makes it, makes you believe that the unicorn would be a rhino because a rhino has similar feet to an elephant although the tail, yeah 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 although well, i think like a stag is peculiar because for some reason i was then imagining horns as well but... yeah and they say the horse like a horse body and i'm like mm. so i'm wondering someone just kind of misspelt something <laughs> mm, maybe but loads of greeks actually traveled to africa greece and rome was becoming this really substantial city of information and stuff they'd always bring back information and they were always traveling 
traveling to Africa because it was so slightly closer for them to get to, kind of, but far away enough for them to be, ooh, this is so different and everything like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I think the unicorn is a very pretty rhino. More belief in the unicorn shows up in various places in the Bible. <laughs> Unicorns in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> At least according to some translations. It's sometimes instead referred to as like an oryx uh, or a kind of antelope with antlers. And it's said in the Bible as well, its fierceness is affirmed in it because it says, God brought brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath as it were the strength of an unicorn. <laughs> he shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. And I'm like, what? So basically, well, so it literally like, says the word unicorn. Yeah, it says unicorn. It's like he had the strength of unicorn. Yeah, they're definitely talking about that. About um. Yeah, yeah. Unicorns are also a sign of a new royal baby or a royal dying in China, which is pretty funny because okay. they'd always want to like try and gift something like that to a royal king. And someone, uh, I think, very memorably tried to gift a unicorn to one of the royals, and they were like, "Do you think I'm going to die?" <laughs> because it's like, a, it's like a prophecy of the royal dying and yeah. then a baby being born. But the best part about the unicorn is this. In the 17th century, a scholar chimed in noting that the unicorn is very strong and pierces anything it attacks. It fights with elephants and kills them by wounding them in the belly. Um, he then also popularized the myth that would serve all of Europe, European folklore, which is catching a unicorn is impossible unless you have access to a virgin woman. The unicorn is too strong to be caught by hunters, except by a trick. If a virgin girl is placed in front of a unicorn and she bears her breasts to it, all of its fierceness will cease and it will lay its head on her bosom and thus quietly is easily caught and it will suckle until it's lulled to sleep. <laughs> I'd just like to say, this isn't the episode for sexual taboo, but the bloke that wrote this certainly has some interesting fancies. Yeah. That's illegal in this country. It would be, yeah. It's really interesting though, because like I said, the union, unicorns are mentioned in the Bible. Hilariously, only the King James edition though. They mm. kind of edit it out of all the other ones. They were like, nope, this is ridiculous. This is this is ridiculous, whatever. Um, but it's in loads of tapestries that dictate slightly religious stories and things like that. And there's actually a painting by Raphael where mm. the little dog on this woman's lap was changed into a unicorn. They were like, oh no, it's more Christian if it's a unicorn. And then a couple of years later, they're like, no, let's get rid of the unicorn. So they like completely edited it out of this Raphael painting. So weird. Okay. Was it like a tiny unicorn though? Tiny, tiny, tiny unicorn. It's so cute. Um, I'd just like to say now as well, if your piece of artwork is something from Charlie the Unicorn. Oh my God. I'm gonna fucking kill you. I'm gonna watch that as soon as we finish this. <laughs> it is not, I have to tell you, but it is just as good. But yeah, uh, unicorns within these tapestries and within the Bible and everything like that, they either represented Jesus being crucified because like so many of the stories were about the unicorn being like killed, crucified, and also the innocents being like released from Eden by Eve. So there's a lot of stories about a woman and uh, the unicorn and then the, the unicorn dying and like special powers being imbued and then losing it. There's a whole bunch of that. But it also has to be said that a load of other fucking animals were compared to Jesus as well. Like a pelican was said to peck off its own breast to revive its young with blood, just like Jesus did. I didn't realize this would get so religious with these uh, references. Anyway, unicorns were believed right 
right up until 100 years ago. The horns healed all poisons. So kings and queens of England, and I'm sure other places too, would have unicorn cups, so that when they were really ill, they'd pour the medicine in and they'd drink from the cup because it was the cup that fixed them. I've just had a weird idea as well. What? Well, if there's this belief across the world, I, I mean, and we're going back a lot of years, I don't know why it's just occurred to me, but we're talking about rhinos being mistaken as mm -hmm. unicorns. And oh. the horns yeah. being... She knows what I'm on about. So the horns of a unicorn being healing. Does that explain where this whole myth that rhino horns are used in, like, oh um, Eastern God. medicine comes from? Oh, my God. Do you think it stems from that all I... those years ago? I absolutely think so. I think the, the these stories overlap with one another and one influences the other. And so I wonder, like, within Africa, they had the rhino and they had this belief that they were these magical creatures and that they had these powers. And I wonder if they took that back to Greece and other parts of the world and they were just like, the unicorn horn does all these wondrous things. And it got put into all these different other cultures and religions and things. Well, cause that's the thing as well. So it's used a lot in Eastern medicine, isn't it? But yeah. when you think about it, the rhino isn't native to that part of the world. Yeah. It's used in their medicines. And that's not to slate all medicine because I'm, you know, I, I'm a great believer in things like acupuncture and. Mm -hmm. stuff like that but there's a lot of stuff that isn't founded in science and you can debate that till the end of the day that's not this podcast for that <laughs> but actually thinking about it would these stories these theory books do you think they could be the origins for some of these things because these animals are then used in different places oh, for things they that then relates into the folklore oh my to a god place they're not native to they're perpetuating it they perpetuated it <gasps> oh guys 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 is a bad man <laughs> <laughs> With his 37 volumes about the world and he fucking, he killed the rhinos. Oh my god, I hadn't even thought about that, but that makes so much sense. It's just occurred to me as you were saying about the kings and the queens having yeah. like unicorn horn pups yeah. and I was like, oh that's like a weird comparison into like different like uh, different societies and different cultures. Yeah, sorry, that's weird amazing. comparison. And that's no offence to anybody who believes in Eastern medicine. Oh yeah. I mean, as far as I'm, I mean, you know, that's fine if you believe in it, but please stop killing our rhinos. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. that, it literally lit up a, a light bulb within my brain. I was like, oh my god, Jenny, you've got it. That's it. You fucking nailed it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder if that's, I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but like, it would be interesting to dig deeper into the yeah. history of it and find out if there, there was any kind of relation between that. Well, but, um, yeah. wait, so much of it, they really do overlap and people steal stories from one place or another. They literally make up their own analogy from it, you know? they. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're onto something. History you know, buffs, tell me. Sound <laughs> up in the comments below. Because <laughs> you know, in the Ipswich Museum, um, all that time ago, and I know this purely because the rhino in there is called Rosie. It had its horn stolen, didn't it? And they had to put a replica on it, which is just so sad. Even for a taxidermied creature, it's just leave them alone. Don't desecrate the body. We've been on that soapbox a lot tonight. We've been having yeah. a good time. That's actually, that was a really good summary up into the end of what I was talking about. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just had to say that. It just suddenly occurred to me as yeah. you were saying. I was like, oh my god. Well, that, that brings me to the most amazing image that I want to send you. You can send it to me. Yeah. You wait, you just wait a second. <laughs> oh, this is just the best picture. It's so funny. Let's have a look at this. This is the lady with a unicorn. Oh, wow. Yeah, Raphael. It's like a mini unicorn, like a puppy. Yep, tiny little guy. And this, this is the image that I found that I thought was the best thing ever. <laughs> look at it. 
that unicorn. What in hell's bells? <laughs> the unicorn is just so chuffed. <laughs> looking, it's looking. He's looking at um in it at himself in a in a in a mirror, and the woman's like, "Bitch, you look good." And he's like, "Yeah, I do." He's got, bangs, but he's got like a little beard on, but the reflection of himself in the mirror, the real version of him, well, not the real version, but the big version of him yeah. that the woman is holding mm -hmm. the one in the mirror looks like a llama with a lollipop on its head yeah is this a medieval tapestry yeah 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 this isn't from a bestiary you could go into the rabbit hole of looking at all the wonderful images i really recommend searching for the headless uh, men with the faces on their chest it's so weird you can really go down a rabbit hole but i found this yeah. and i was like oh this, this has Do to be my piece the, where the tapestry is from or it's called the lady and the unicorn and basically they call it like the mona Lisa of the Middle Ages. Um, oh, I see. She's mm. their Mona Lisa. I'd be curious to find out about all the, because there's a lot of floral in it, a lot of different plants. I'd be curious to see um, which plants they are and if they mm. have particular meanings that are associated with them, because it, it's a random mix of plants, but like different times. I know that's the really nerdy thing to say. I mean, I mm. like gardening, but you've got like, for example, you've got daffodils which is spring mm -hmm. but then you've got red holly berries which are like christmas and like flowers yeah. that look like they're from the summer and i wonder if it's because more because of their meanings rather than to represent an actual season or whether the artist just thought they were pretty mm -hmm. you know yeah i definitely think they probably did have resolute meanings though because they were all about that weren't they but of course holly is all year round isn't it except for the, oh, yeah. except for the berries i think um but in another part of the tapestry she's holding the horn at her side which looks a little bit erogenous oh, oh i see <laughs> wow i think um, the tapestry. I don't. I just knew the name. I didn't know who it's by. It's like one of these old tapestries. That's really beautiful. It might not have a. It might not have a who it's by because mm. quite a lot of those things were made and they weren't ever assigned to mm. a person. I mean, it was probably a group of people working on it if it was quite a big piece. Yeah. Because I mean, those things were like handcrafted on looms. They took hours to make. Sorry, I find myself reading about it now. I'm like, this was just meant to be like a passing picture, and now I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. <laughs> it's a fascinating tapestry. There's like three of them, I think. And very, very beautiful and very bright and colourful considering how old they are. Yeah, they're lovely. Yeah. They're hundreds of years old. Mm -hmm. And what we have to remember, because when we go and look around these old houses and National Trust places and they'll have tapestries hanging up, the tapestries are moderately faded. They were fluorescent. They were so bright when they were originally mm. made. Um, and it's the same with carpeting and rugs and things like that and uh, bed tapestry stuff, you know. Um, so when we walk into these houses, we're like, history has such a grey gossam blur over it, when actually it should have been just as bright as today. Like, nah, bitch, it's just faded in the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Madame de Pompadour walked around in dull-ass clothes. No, she was a flashy bitch. <laughs> she was pulling around that French palace like she was not used to this. Yeah. I love that name, Pompadour. <laughs> so good. Um, so yeah, yeah that, that was that was my little regale of unicorns and um, yeah. beastries. We'll, and we'll stick this rhinos. beautiful unicorn slash llama yeah. on the page so you guys can have a look at it. The one in the mirror is reflection looks like a llama, I'm sorry. I, I feel like this should become a meme. I'm gonna make it into a meme and put it on our Instagram. <laughs> it's like, bitch, Something you look like, great. Get yourself a mate who gasses you up. <laughs> She's not telling you you're beautiful. Yeah, that's it's the it's the deadpan stare of you know you're fucking gorgeous, right? <laughs> or like when your mate's like, oh, who's a badass bitch? And you're uh, like, yeah. I don't know who's a badass bitch. She's like, you girl, you're the badass bitch. <laughs> oh, I yeah, love sorry, it. Sorry, folks. Sorry, went off on her. 
I apologise for my vulgar language. Um, oh, I love it. I've said worse, get used to it. <laughs> right, Juniper, tell me, yep. tell me some story stuff. Mine isn't so much a story or a history of a particular creature. I follow a lot of artists on our Instagram and on our Twitter page, which I then end up following on my personal one because I just end up loving their style. And I went down a bit of a rabbit hole one night when I was looking for like creatures and like creepy artists and serial killer artists, all for our different episode themes. And somebody, I cannot remember who it was, who shared this original post and it had loads of different artists on it. And I went down a rabbit hole of looking at all these different people. And I came across a gentleman called Mark C. Green. I don't know why I said it quite so slowly. Mark T. Green, so Mark Green. And he's on Instagram and he's on Twitter. What is his name on the socials? On socials. So on Instagram, he's at Owillow underscore Wally. And then on Twitter, he's at Owillow Wally without the underscore. Um, Again, these will all be linked on our Instagram and Twitter eventually too. But he is an illustrator. So his bio on both of them tend to, I think they're both fairly similar, they see. Watercolour illustrations, haunted landscapes um, and folk horror. Um, you know he paints dark fantasy illustrations and landscapes and I just really I just really like the stuff he makes can I open up his uh, page and have a look yeah so the image I've sent you the particular one that's one of my favourites is called the moon flea oh wow and for some reason I just love this picture oh I'm Um, I'm into this and he must paint them does he paint them really small as well these like miniatures it looks like a really tiny picture I'm not sure if they're all that small or whether he paints big ones too but this in particular is is one of my favourites of his pictures but if you go onto his profile and scroll through he does all loads of stuff like that this is so cool I love eerie shit like this I'm gonna immediately follow him I think the funny thing is about the moon flea in particular it's describe what it is to people listening so it's a black and white image that is done with watercolor and all in grayscale and you can kind of see it's like mountain scenery and there's a tiny little human figure in it who's reaching up to this massive looming creature that's floating in the sky and has a flea-like shape um, and there's a moon in the background and there's trees you know it's very eerie but at the same time i get this impression that this moon flea isn't threatening yeah it doesn't it's look malicious. It's like sweet and endearing. It's like, oh, it's a tiny... What are you, tiny human? It's always like <laughs> peering at this tiny human like, oh, hello. It reminds me of uh, Princess Mononoke when uh, yeah. you have the giant uh, forest spirit. It kind yeah. of has these tendrils within it as it's mm. really loping through the forest. It's huge. Mm. And it really looks like this. Mm. And a lot of his work, to me, has got that vibe. I mean, some of them are slightly creepier when you go into them. and I, I mean, love creepy still, like, shit, really though. You go into them and you have a look through and you'll see what I mean. There's definitely like that eerie, creepy vibe, obviously. That's what he wants. It's like haunted folk horror. That's his style that he likes to do. There's a lot of the creatures that I think are eerie, but at the same time, they don't frighten me. Mm which is a strange thing to say. And I mean, I'm somebody who has professed on the podcast before that I'm not very good with scary films. I don't watch anything horror-related because they give me nightmares. Um, But I still like creatures. Yeah. I like trying to find beauty in things that aren't maybe necessarily beautiful. And a lot of his creatures that I think he creates 
you just want to know more about them because while they give off this weird vibe, they don't feel threatening as you would expect some of them to. I mean, it might just be me looking at it like that, but I, I feel that there's a certain tenderness to these illustrations and his and his um, creations. There's a very close path between children's illustration that makes it slightly safer, but also it's on the other spectrum of it, which makes it really creepy. But because they're married together, it transports you to this fantasy of non-threatening but in a spooky environment so you're not terrified of what you're seeing you're transported into a different fantasy yeah and i mean certain ones of these pictures are definitely creepier than others yeah in particular the ones that i find particularly creepy are actually the ones of clowns that he's done oh i'm scrolling through yeah the ones that are more kind of his made-up creatures that he imagined as i say have that kind of quality like you say Mm. It's almost like, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, the best thing that I can compare it to, and I have it here because it's going to get a mention in a minute, um, and obviously his illustration style is completely different. But in the same way, you know when Tim Burton creates these characters yes. and these monsters, and they are creepy and they're weird and they're eerie, but they don't feel like they're going to hurt you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's really peculiar. And I mean, I have here one of my favourite poetry books of all time. <laughs> which is a Tim yeah. Burton book and it's the melancholy death of Oyster Boy and when you flick through it there's lots of illustrations that Tim Burton has done and some of them like when you look at them they're seriously bizarre but um they don't feel like I mean Voodoo Girl for example yeah like she's weird she's creepy but she doesn't feel like she's gonna hurt you does that make sense I hope people I, are getting I, no I I I totally get what you mean. Like with Tim Burton, he he does. He transports you into this um, place where needles in the eyes and needles in the body are a part of the dynamics of the world. So they aren't painful. Like a little bit in um, Corpse Bride or or Nightmare Before Christmas. The first film I ever watched, by the way, Nightmare Before Christmas, in the cinema, I was three. It's great. When Sally's arm falls off and she stitches it back on, it disassociates pain from these... Uh, things that happen to the body because the story is beyond that you know Mm. if it was live action and that shit was happening people would be a bit like oh my god but yeah i love his stuff it's Um, it's spooky and eerie and creepy but it's um kind of magical and i i love that he has pictures of his cat and dog popped in between (laughs) on his account And I mean, uh, there's a couple of his more recent works where he uses colour, but the majority of his works prior to that that I enjoy tend to be one colour, monochrome. Mm. So he'll use like black ink and then keep it within that colour scale. The amount of depth and detail this man gets into these images with just like such a simple palette, just amazes me and that also just really appeals to me i mean there's a couple where he's done it and it looks like something coming out of the mist and it's just like so eerie and you're just like this man has done this with just like watercolor yeah like it's got all this depth that people try and get into an image with watercolor it's Mm. just i love it i just love his pictures so yeah that's my creatures spin because i just found this artist who creates these beautiful images of these wonderful creatures and i have to give another shout out because another artist that i nearly went with <laughs> that had come down from this rabbit hole was brian surway again oh, right. he, he says he's a folk illustrator and brian surway how do you spell his last name uh, s-e-r-w-a-y is it b surway oh this looks like it might be the guy so it's like a picture of a face that's being melted into a cityscape yeah so he says he's a folk illustrator and then on his twitter he sells himself as an illustrating nature's nocturnal mischief (laughs) um which i really like (laughs) when you look through his images i suppose it's almost got that similar 
vein to Mark's work. Mm. Yeah, you can you can see a relationship simple. between the two. It's got a really beautiful, simple colour palette, but again, the detail he achieves and the, these creatures, again, really odd and bizarre, but I don't feel threatened by them, even the ones that are, like, baring their teeth at me. Mm. At some point, they're not creeping me out to the point where I can't look at them. I mean, some of the artists that paint these darker creatures, I found, they really spook me out, and I'm like, oh, I can't look at this for too long <laughs> or I'm going to have nightmares because I'm such a baby. But these, but yeah, so I had to mention Brian. Surway's work because again it, it was like nearly the one that tipped it to the post but Mark Green and Brian Surway are my artists that I'd like people to go and check out to have a look at their creatures mm-hmm. um, and again we'll share their work on the Instagram page but they're just so kind of magical and spooky and I think because they draw a lot from folklore mm-hmm. it you get that really cool kind of vein and of... Lord of the Rings I see haha <laughs> I love that <laughs> But you you get like a mixture of really interesting ideas, I think, because they draw from folklore, because folklore has so many layers to it, because folklore around the world is so different depending on what folklore you're, you know, you're looking at or listening to or discussing. It, It varies so greatly. So to be able to interpret things from that folklore, I think, is really fascinating. And I think they both do it so beautifully. It's uh, it's amazing as well. considering this idea of folklore and also the bestiaries where you have these amalgamations of different animals popped together. You see that within Brian Surway's work. I'm scrolling through and I can see some of his creations. You have different creatures popped within other creatures. So it kind of, um, it adds more layers of other creepy things and it's really, really cool. Good choice. Yeah, so those are my my creature spins from this week. So a bit different in regards to the time frame. Obviously yours goes like super old school. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I like that we are able, but at the same time, they both have that similar thread of mm-hmm. there's that underlying folklore. Also, again, when you talk about, say, unicorns, for example, mm-hmm. we've said we kind of went over this when we were in our Gross Fairy Tales episode, where um, as stories are told about <laughs> creatures and people, things get layered on top and romanticized or demonized depending mm-hmm. on the need of the story so if they need a story i don't know think for example there were parents that were trying to stop their children going near rivers because they didn't want them drowning so somebody probably came up with that oh don't go near that river there's like the water demons in it yeah. do you know what i mean yeah oh yeah definitely and, um, and then things get either romanticized to be like oh it's a fairy tale or they get demonized to be like oh this is a you know a scary story that you get told to keep you from doing these yeah. things and then seeing the interpretation throughout the years and how those things change I think that was really why I wanted to include like some modern artists that do this kind of work it shows how um, prevalent these kind of stories are still to us, mm. like in society now. I mean, you hear me uh, talk about law podcast all the time, and because he talks about all the different folklores that relate to sort of present day as well as like within history and how they affect present day. And I think that you know you have you have all these stories, and they're such a part of how we process what we don't understand. It, it, it's like within film, within within books. But with folklore, it's this regaling of stories from one person to another, often through our tongues. We tell these stories to each other and that's where the transformations and and these stories, we relate them to ourselves and that's how we pass them on. Because a certain piece of the story had this effect or, oh, I think this part of the story means more. So that's how they transform. And that's why we have, you know, you can't pinpoint down a folklore story anywhere because it's been chopped and changed and and woven 
into so many other cultures. And it's just amazing. It's amazing. It is. I feel like I could have had so much more to talk about. I suppose the thing is, I feel because there's no like history behind these as such. I haven't researched like the history of these because they're modern artists. I feel like I haven't talked about them enough, but it's kind of hard to... Well, delve into like a modern day well, th- well this, you know what I mean? this is the other thing too um i think what i like so much about historical pieces and finding stories within our subjects that we choose you know creatures with this one i like finding all these multitudes of stories that go within the same thread and especially with folklore you know there, there are so many with these creatures and when we talk about present day stuff there aren't as many of these weighted historical texts to back it up, I think sometimes it's totally okay to just say, you guys just need to look at this because this is awesome. And well, that's the thing, like, yeah. I love that image. I love the moon flea. It's just, if I could have it on my wall, I would have it. I adore it. You you should but get him like, to give you a print. Like, I mean, buy a print from him. I don't think he has a shop. You should just you message him. He would love it. I bet you. He I would fucking he would love it. And you could be like, I talked about you on my podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna be tagging him. But like I love the moon flea, but like I don't know where the moon flea comes from. I mean I could have researched it, but I don't think there's such a thing as a moon flea. I think it might it's be one of his creations. But yeah, so I, I didn't have a history as such to research on it, but I just I just needed people to see the moon flea. Just, just look at it. It's so good. I needed people to know about this moon flea because I adore it. It's, it's really interesting because um, the artists that you've chosen are so in line with the artist that I've chosen. Mm. As a recommendation, do you want to search for her? She's called Katie Whittle and I met her. Is she on Insta or? Yeah, she's on Insta. If you, you type in Katie Whittle Illustrates. Um, oh, she's a bit like that one on the thing that I bought you. Exactly! Behind that one, That one's mine. Your one, I haven't been able to put up yet because I want to put that in a frame. Oh, is that not the one I bought you? They're really similar, isn't it? That's actually oh, no, uh, a print. Oh, Comic Con, isn't it? Yeah. See, I met yeah, her. I've got, the, I've got the skull one on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I met, we met her at Comic Con and I was like, I backed your uh, Kickstarter. And yeah, she, I know. she has a Kickstarter on right now. Um, is about... that that lady? Oh, it is her. Yeah. I was going to say, her, her picture was the skull that's on my wall. <laughs> yeah. I love that picture. Yeah. She, <laughs> she's got a Kickstarter going on right now um, with all these uh, like tarot cards with all different um, animals and creatures on them. And I was like, this is like the modern day bestiary, you know? I just, oh, yeah. I, I was like, this. So definitely check her out. I have just followed her on Instagram because I realized I hadn't been and I'm, it's so weird when you've been a fan for someone for so long and then you're not following them. What is this? I'm sorry for the high pitched noises for our listeners there and the confusion. <laughs> I was just like, hold on a minute. I have, yep, that was yeah. a moment for me. That was a moment for me. My brain hurts. Yeah, well, <laughs> she's definitely, she goes within those uh, three um, artists very well, mm. I think, which, which is my recommendation. I mean, do you have any more recommendations, girl? I mean, my kind of my artists are my recommendations mainly because mm. I think they're more artists, it. and you can go and support them and check out their work and follow them on Instagram and Twitter. But also, this is my recommendation for <laughs> creatures, which I mentioned briefly a little while ago, and it is the melancholy death of Oyster Boy and other stories by Tim Burton. And I had this book a very long time now. My mother bought it for me quite a few years ago. Yeah, so it's childlike, but grown up all at the same time it's it's really peculiar 
but beautiful. And there's some lovely and sad and strange stories and drawings in it, and it just appeals to me. <laughs> I don't know why, it just does. I've always loved Tim Burton stuff. I know he's a bit like Marmite, you either love his stuff or you hate it, but The Nightmare Before Christmas was one of my early loves as a child, so... Same here. It influenced me greatly. And it's always but good yeah. to have a little bit of poetry in our lives, wouldn't you say? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And being able to be okay with some of the scarier things in life makes you more, yeah. I don't know, makes you happier, I think. You're like, my life's great. I can stand this crazy shit and this other crazy shit. It's great. <laughs> Who knows, I'm waffling. No, I'm just, I'm just like so away with fairies. I apologize greatly to our listeners this week. It's all right. Well, I, I enjoyed whatever you talked about. Anyway, oh. people should definitely check out Katie Whittle illustrates. She's great. She got a Kickstarter on right now. And mm -hmm. if you get you like 10 days, maybe this will be out before then. If not, you can, I'm sure as hell you can buy it afterwards. <laughs> Whatever she's selling. Um, and then also, who are the other two? So, my artist that I would like everybody to check out um, is. Brian Surway, so B Surway on Instagram, and let me just double check his, yeah, and B Surway again on Twitter, and then Mark C Green is O Willow underscore Wally on Instagram, and then on Twitter he is at O Willow O Wally. We will put all of this in our links on our Instagram and on our Twitter because obviously sometimes the spellings aren't quite how they sound <laughs> on here. Like there's an, I would expect an extra L in somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's easy to interpret. So we will link everybody down below and shout everybody out that we've spoken about. And I hope they don't mind us talking about their artwork because I just love it so much. <laughs> I don't think anyone would be opposed, especially an artist would be opposed to uh, someone celebrating their artwork and saying, this is great. Yeah. And considering this is our drunk art review podcast, I think like, you know, being on a review podcast is good, right? Okay, and like, and Mark, if you're listening, I couldn't do your picture justice because it's, I, I love it. I adore that picture. And if you're she willing also to wants it as a print. please message me because I want you to, have to message him. Mom, please open a shop, Mark. I will buy all of your prints. I love it. <laughs> And I can't do your picture justice. People need to go and look at it because it's just so lovely. And um, I probably rambled far too much while I was describing your, that picture and that artwork. But please open a shop and sell your prints. So wonderful. Sell your shit, man. <laughs> I need them in my house. <laughs> I was gushing. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> it's okay. It's good to gush. It's good to yeah, celebrate other artists. I'm glad that you chose some uh, modern day I, people. I love celebrating artists. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. We talk about art history and the importance of it, and it is incredible. But there's so much going on now, so many interesting people mm. and interesting works. It's lovely to be able to share them as well. And I think people that follow our Instagram see a lot of that because we try and share exhibitions yeah. and artists that we like that fit in with the themes, old and new. And I think it's really important to promote those new artists because in 100 years those are going to be the artists that are talked about on podcasts like this yeah um, yeah it's funny though that um you and i were really bigging up these artists that are like present day meanwhile good old gaius were like oh for fuck's sake you're trying to kill rhinos like we we hate like just hating history it's like they're not they're not unicorns man leave them alone Oh, if anybody has any like cool creature eyes that they oh, want to like tell us about, let us know because clearly we like this shit. Yeah, and I I clearly like a lot of really weird shit. <laughs> so yeah, 
this stuff I watch and listen to. What? I was going to say, if, if our listeners, our avid listeners, haven't figured that out about you now, then they'll never figure it out because I think you've mentioned things a lo- enough times to let people know that you like Widget. Especially on the um, live. Yeah, oh. we do have one we're doing our next live, folks, but whenever it is, you'll be the first to hear about it. Yeah. I guess we should uh, we should wrap up now and then we should, because I'm waffling and I've I'm waffling too. Lost yeah, I'm like <laughs> there's no professionalism this week. I'm just gone. <laughs> it's like we've said some shit. Like it. Okay. Bye. The you, you... my artist that I recommended. You're on the episode where I'm like completely off my game. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so sorry. All right. Well, you can find this wonderful podcast <laughs> on Spotify as well as SoundCloud, um, where you can listen to us. And you can also listen through my website, too, which is pretty cool, um, which is rosielah.com. Um, it's the same for my Instagram. If you can find those, then you can definitely find me on Twitter if you want to go there. <laughs> All I do is talk shit. Yeah, she does some great stuff. But you can find um, us just by searching "drunk art review" for on you Twitter know. and Instagram. Yeah, and and Spotify. So yeah, yeah. And uh, we promise our energy isn't always like this. We're not in the same room. It's weird. Want to do a mukbang again? Yeah, we, we haven't shown you our mukbang yet, but, like, it was a good mukbang. You might never ever see it, but we enjoyed making it. It was great. I loved that Indian food. Oh. We were, and we were drunk. Very, marvelous. very drunk. <laughs> I was really happy. It was a great night. Anyway, where can we find you, Jenny? What's your... I'm, I'm here. Eats? I'm here at the other end you, of the you, you, you're, you're socials, man. Tell us where to oh, find you. You can find me on Instagram at jennifer.ellen.kemp. And on Twitter, I believe I'm something similar. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you, can, if you just know our names, then you can find us. Hunt us down like a pack of wild dogs. I can never remember my Twitter handle. I think it's at Jen underscore Ellen underscore Kemp, but it's Jen with two N's. Because it wouldn't let me put in my whole one like Instagram because it's too long. God damn Twitter. Um, fucking Twitter. But yeah, you, um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think we need to call it there, honey. Let's say good night and good eve and good morning and good day and all the rest of it. <laughs> Oh well, to be fair, it's 9.30. I actually happily get into bed at 9.30, like lately, and just like sit and watch something for an hour and then I'm like, I'm asleep by like 11. That's great. Believe it or not, folks, I'm, I haven't been drinking tonight. I, I know I sound like I've been drinking, but <laughs> I haven't. So let me say goodbye now. We hope you enjoyed the Creatures episode because we love this shit. Mm-hmm. And we hope that you're yeah. staying safe and all the rest of it and, you know, keeping that social distance. Yeah, if anybody uh, comes too close to you, spin your arms around and your helicopter! <laughs> um, or just run the opposite direction. <laughs> just scream and run in the opposite direction. Or, or just scream really loudly and make a really weird noise. That is what you should do if you think that there's an intruder in the house. Because then they're like, what the fuck? And they just run out. <laughs> I was having Sarah American comedian said once was uh, to avoid the weirdo you have to become the weirdo. So Yeah, uh, I yeah. think we succeed in that respect. Yeah, we just are the weirdos. Right, we're gonna we're gonna say we love you and we're gonna leave you to the next time. We love you. Bye guys, stay Bye. safe, have fun, hope you've enjoyed.
enjoyed the episode and we promise that next time I'll bring some high energy. <laughs> Let's see you later. Bye. Bye.